0: Let's take our Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 6, if you would, this afternoon. I want to give a couple closing thoughts following up from last week. Romans chapter number 6, as we looked at sin, still believe not in the regular practice of sin, so don't take that from the messages, okay? But uh, we still believe in that three-letter word called sin, that it is missing... God's mark, coming short of the glory of God, breaking God's law. We looked at original sins last week, and we looked that that is passed on to each and every one of us, and not to burst your egotistical bubble this afternoon, but there's not a person here today that's not a sinner Every one of us have done things wrong before God, but aren't you thankful for His grace and His mercy? And uh, we're so thankful for that. I want to take it a a few steps further and give... uh, I say some closing thoughts, but it's going to be the message for today. Really the closing thoughts on the message last week um, to be able to finish some things here on the end result and consequences of sin. And I'll start with this statement that sin is really the only thing we, we we agree to purchase and partake in without acknowledging and knowing the full cost at the beginning. And many times when we do know the full cost, we choose to ignore it and say that it'll still be worth it. There were times because we had to get to a point of Making the consequences of disobedience a little bit tougher, that I had one of my children when they were growing up, I won't tell you which one, and uh um but while they were growing up, and we were in the process of raising them, okay, how many believe you need to raise up your children, and uh they just don't automatically get it, and so. Um, We wish that was the case, but at one point there was disobedience, and they knew the consequences of it, and we provided the consequences of their disobedience, and then got done and asked if it was worth it, to which they answered yes. And so you can probably guess which one that was, and uh, if you're not sure, you can ask their spouse. And so but I won't tell you which one it was and uh but to which it was answered yes it was worth it that the disobedience and doing wrong may I say this and we chuckle at that now listen it was one of those things that the flesh, because it really was funny when that was said, that you're trying not to laugh because now you have to discipline them. And you're laughing like, seriously, you, you, you really dared to say that to me. And uh, we may chuckle about a few things like that, but can I remind us that the consequences for sin is never worth it. And we're given scripture full of the consequences of sin, the results of sin, what it costs someone, just the despair. May I say this, that ultimately it cost the Lord Jesus Christ his life because someone needed to pay for that sin and even us being separated from God for all of eternity is not enough to pay for that sin as we look at this matter. And I want us to see this, and I want us to look at it. Nobody ever walks up to sin, and I saw this, and it was as vivid of an illustration as I've ever seen, and it's why it stuck in my mind. That we walked into church, and it by no means was even close to Christmas. And there was an eight-foot table that was down here, not in this church, but in church in Tennessee, that had the most beautifully wrapped Christmas gifts sitting on that table. And the illustration was anybody could come up, and he called someone up and said, would you pick a gift off this table? They were just empty boxes that were wrapped up. But to be able to illustrate this point, when they would grab one of the most beautiful boxes, there was a long string that was attached to it that was hidden back here underneath the table. And as they pulled that out, here come the string. And then at the end of it, it would would say, a broken family. It would say, 30 years behind bars. It would say, you never speak to your children again to be able to illustrate the cost, but yet it was such a beautiful package that was wrapped up and that's how the devil does illustrate it to us and entice us with that. But they never put the price tag right out front. You ever walked into a restaurant and you know you're in trouble when they don't list the price beside it? And they're just trying to entice you in and you're like, can I have the one with the price? Why don't we say that about sin? Can I have the menu of sin that has the price beside it. And I want you to see this with me in Romans chapter 6 to be able to close these these closing thoughts on this. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 19, he says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. In other words, as much as you yielded and you committed sin before salvation, now yield your body to be able to commit righteousness unto holiness. Verse 20, for when you were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. And look at this. What fruit had ye then in those things? What is the fruit, can I ask you this, what is the fruit of years of living in sin? Some that have stepped away from God, some that as the world would say, they are going out and sowing their wild oats, And may I encourage us that there is not one young person under the sound of my voice that will benefit one bit from going out into this world and sowing their wild oats and trying to enjoy the pleasures of sin. And Paul is saying here in chapter 6, What fruit have ye? And we could have adult after adult after adult That would stand up and say, Here's the fruit of those years living in sin. Here's the fruit, I don't have a family that's together today. Here's the fruit, I can't even remember half of what was taking place back then. Here's the fruit, here's the the physical scars of my life. If I could call one preacher up from western Pennsylvania, he would get up here, many of you have met him, and he would get up here with a limp because he has a prosthetic leg from halfway down his thigh down to his foot. Brother Roger Napper, And he would tell you about the time that him and his buddies thought it was cool and they're out running around with guns and they're drunk in the cab of the truck and the gun goes off and blows his leg off. What fruit have ye families would tell you about being split apart families would tell you about the filing of bankruptcy and the financial devastation they would tell you about the the mental disorders and anxieties that they have now because of addictions that they had while they were out there in the world and never being able to get over that They would tell you literally about physical scars and markings that are on their bodies that they cannot get rid of today as the fruit of sin. But yet what another generation will try to tell you is that it's all fun and games. And they don't take you to see the fruit. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? How many here would like to stand up right now? I'll start with the ladies. Ladies first. Is there a lady here that would like to stand up and you would like to tell the deepest, darkest secret of sin that you committed in your life, either before you were saved or while you were away from God? Please don't put your hand up because I'm not going to call on you. What man would like to stand up and like to give the deepest, darkest secret that nobody else in the world may even know about? But you know that God does, and you don't want it to be said today. You know why? Because the fruit of that which ye are now ashamed of, That in some cases it would be better just to be able to change the name. In some cases it would be better not to come in contact with those people whatsoever that you see them downtown, and it brings back an entire past. And you're thinking, "I'd, I'd rather just be able to erase that part of my life. Can I say the reality of that needs to be put out there a whole lot more to be able to deter a younger generation from going out and doing what you now regret? That the world says, hey, this is all fun. I mean, you even head down to the to the prison system and there's those that that you go in and start talking to them and listen, they'll start telling you about every facility that they've been locked up in. And I'm thinking, and you're so proud of that? You're happy for that? You have not hit rock bottom yet? They are not ashamed of their sin whatsoever? And I'm saying, what is it going to take to get to the point of being ashamed of the fruit that you now have in your life. May I remind us this afternoon we looked at sin but last week and the origin of sin and the sin nature that each and every one of us have but can I just remind us and bring us back face to face this afternoon that the consequences of sin is not something to be rejoicing about. It is not something to make a joke about. It is not something to say that I'll deal with that when that comes and bring it on. It is not anything to be messed with. Despair, brokenheartedness, discouragement and grief and testimony after testimony that could be talked about of saying, here's the results of sin in my life. May I remind us much more beyond just the results and evidence of sin in our lives, if that does not deter a young person or an older person, listen, go ahead and dabble in the sin that you've got secret in your life right now and then weep when the day comes that it costs you your marriage. Dabble in that sin that you may say nobody else knows and I'm keeping it from God, but yet when it comes out and your children will never speak again. Your wife will never talk to you again. Your husband will say enough is enough. Or the parents will look at the children and say, we've had enough. We're done enabling. We're not going to help anymore. And when you are by yourself and all you have to keep you comfort is the grief of the sin that you were warned about. The Bible says in verse 22, we'll keep reading, but now being made free from sin. Can I give hope today that you don't have to go down that road? You don't have to. Someone asked me at one point, they said, why is it, especially in a Baptist church, is what they said. They named two things, but the first thing they mentioned is why is it that the subject matter of alcohol just seems to be brought up over and over and over and over again to be preached against from the pulpit. And a person went with me on on a trip and we were in a church and sure enough, the pastor got up there and guess what was brought up during that message? The subject matter of alcohol. Well, the Bible doesn't explicitly say, and I said, I'm going to tell you exactly why. I said, because the Baptists are the most evangelistic people that I've ever come in contact with. They've got the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking to change lives. I said, but by going after people, we see all the end results of where they're at. And I said, it wasn't the one glass of wine that put the drunkard down there underneath the bridge. And I said, we see the devastation of the families. I said, we see the tearing apart of marriages. I said, we see people that are begging for their next meal because everything's been spent on a Friday night on payday down at the local bar. And I said, we're getting down in the spiritual gutters trying to pull people out and trying to make a difference. I said, that's why there's so much preaching on it. I said, because drunkard after drunkard after drunkard would say, if I'd never started, I wouldn't be here today. And I said, we give the encouragement, we give the admonition of, listen, you'd better off, listen, just don't even touch the stuff. Don't even go down that road. And you say, well, I can handle it, I can handle it. Listen, you don't have to go down that road today. You don't have to come back 30 years from now and walk back into the church building with all the scars of sin and wonder what everybody is going to say about you walking back in. You don't have to go that way. We were talking yesterday with another pastor and uh, they were talking about this one couple been in that church about 40, 45 years. I said, isn't that a blessing? I said, they don't have to go out and get all the scars and the marks and the devastation of sin and then walk back in like it's a badge of honor. Walk in all proud of it. That, hey, I've endured being out in the world. No, the scars that you'll hold on to, listen, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God. Now look at this. Ye have your fruit. Two different fruits that are mentioned here in these two different verses. 21, it's talking about the fruit of those things where if ye are now ashamed, verse number 22 says, ye have your fruit unto holiness. Let me ask you something. What would you rather walk back in with with all the scars and the wickedness of sin that has beat you down and tore your life apart for the past 20 years as you've lived in sin? or just saying I'm going to live for God and here's the fruit unto holiness. Boy, could we have some older Christians that would testify and be able to say it'd just be better to be able to have the fruit unto holiness instead of the fruit unto being ashamed. How many would just be willing, I want our generations that are here today to be able to see this and to be able to see the testimonies, but how many would simply say today that you'd rather have more of the fruit unto holiness than you would the fruit that you were ashamed of? Would you put your hand up and say the fruit of holiness is a whole lot better? Listen, my hand's up, both hands are up, I'll put both feet up if I could, that it's better to be able to say I want the fruit unto holiness than it is the fruit that you're ashamed of when you go lay on in life you say what's going to make the difference just walking the straight and narrow and realizing we've been made free from sin you don't have to go down that path you don't have to come back in with scar after scar after scar because it's amazing sometimes those wounds completely aren't healed and sometimes that scab gets pulled off And as I looked last week about this subject matter of sin, then I come over, we understand in verse number 23, but I wanted to read the preceding verses. We use this for this matter of salvation, and rightfully so for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We look at this matter of death, and that's why the Bible says we must be born again because this physical body is going to die one day. And may I say this, that death has been brought upon each and every one of us originally because of sin that was introduced into the world. As soon as a baby is born, and I know they're the cutest little thing to be able to be around the church, and it's wonderful, but can I say this, as soon as they're born, it's a certain number of days till it's appointed that they die. And really, they've just begun to live, but really their life clock has just started to count down to the day that they take their last breath. But may I remind us too that the wages of sin in our lives, now that we're saved, you say, well, I won't have to deal with the second death and be eternally separated from God. No, but in many cases, death is separation. And can I say this and just apply it this way to us, that even with sin in our lives as believers, we can still be separated from God in our fellowship. You see, go over there with me to James chapter number 1 if you would. James chapter number 1, and I just really want to draw our attention to these consequences of sin, but it's not just for all of eternity. Now listen, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, listen, there is a sin problem that you cannot take care of on your own. But your sin problem cost the Lord Jesus Christ his very life, and he did that willingly for you to be able to pay for your sin and pay for mine. I want you to see, just to set the context of Scripture here, James chapter number 1 and verse number 1, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Verse number 2 says this, My brethren. Now, who's he speaking to here? Saved or unsaved? Saved people. My brethren. You say, why does everybody say brother and sister around here? It's just Bible. They called each other brother, okay? My brethren. Now, come down to verse number 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived. Now, That word conceived, and we're talking about lust, that we're tempted, and that lust, and when it's conceived, those two things come together, and they actually take seed, and they're being rooted. When lust hath conceived, the Bible says, it bringeth forth sin. That's not the end of the chapter, though. That's not giving the consequences of it. That's not saying, hey, once there's sin, it's over with. But when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Death, the end result of all of it. You say, well, pastor, that's for those that, that are without Christ. Hold on, read the next verse, verse number 16. Who's he talking to here? Do not err, my beloved brethren. Do you know what James is doing here in chapter number one? He's trying to warn about sin. He's trying to say, don't go down that road. He's trying to say, don't even get started. Listen, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Don't even get to that point. Sin bringeth forth death. You know as well as I do that there's those that have died as a result of sin in their life. Eventually, all of us are going to die unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes back first in the rapture, which very possibly... He could be coming back soon. But may I give the application today of death, meaning separation, and in some cases death is eternal death and eternal separation from God. But in our lives, may I say this, that we may, because of sin, be separated from God in our fellowship with Him. And is that really worth it? May I say that someone who says that sin in their life is worth their fellowship being broken from God Almighty, I would have to say that they don't truly understand their relationship with the Lord and how wonderful it is to be able to fellowship with Him. You don't understand it. Someone who says, well, I don't need this fellowship with my wife, may I say this, you don't understand marriage. We were there for a couples retreat over the past 48 hours. It was a joke over there and I brought it up and I know you find that hard to believe that I'd joke around while I was there but it was all round tables that were there and there were two other couples sitting at another table beside us and two couples, me and and Miss Crystal and another couple and I said, hey, I said maybe the guys could sit at one table and the girls could sit at another table. We're at a marriage retreat now, okay? And I laughed at that. They didn't, they didn't bite on it. I didn't reel them in. And I said, I'm just joking. I'm not here to sit with you. I'm here to sit with my wife. But if we were to say, oh, it's okay to be separated. It's okay. I don't have to enjoy it. I'll say this. You don't understand Marriage. You don't understand that fellowship. You don't understand that relationship. And those that would say that they are willing and happy and satisfied to be able to hold on to sin in their life, they don't understand the true intimacy and fellowship that God so desires in our relationship with him. You can mark it down according to the scriptures. Your sin will and is separating you from God now you're still a child of God I'm not saying that you're eternally damned because of sin that's in your life we believe according to the Bible once you trust Christ as your Savior you are put in the hand of God according to John chapter number 10 and you are sealed according to Ephesians chapter number 4 and no man is able to pluck you out of the Father's hand no one whatsoever you're saved for eternity but I will say this when there's sin there, that separation takes place and that relationship's just not right. You say, oh, the relationship's always the same. Well, you tell me, the last time you fought with your husband or your wife, was the relationship the same? No no one's going to say a word. I'm not even admitting that I fought with my husband or wife. I'm not even admitting that. came back after you got things restored and got things right, didn't it? And isn't that so sweet? So wonderful with the Lord the same way? But listen, the consequences of sin, it is not something to mess around with. It cost the Lord Jesus Christ his life because of the sin that you take pleasure in. The sin that I would take pleasure in, it cost the Lord his life because he said I'm willing to pay for that. What fruit is there? Here, here's what I'd recommend, and I know we don't, we don't like to make sins public, but there's some that if you'd walk up, and, and, and we'd never do this, you know you, you'd never do it, and I'd never do it, that you'd walk up and say, Pastor, I'm thinking about committing this sin. That I'd love to be able to take you to someone who has that fruit in their life right now, and say, before you do that, why don't you come with me? And I want you to talk to this person right here, and I want them to tell you what you're going to be facing 20 years down the road because of what you do. Well, Pastor would never do. I, I sure wish we could, but that premeditated. We're not going to do that. But I wonder what would happen if we would. Now, pastor, I'm I'm thinking about doing this. I'm going to get out of church. I'm not going to come anymore. No, actually, let me change this. Pastor, I'm going to come, but my child's only nine years old, and I'm going to start giving them the choice. I had a drug problem when I was a kid. You've heard this. I was drugged to church Sunday morning. I was drugged to church Sunday night. I was drugged to church on Wednesday night. It was not a question. When I turned double digits, the only thing that changed in my life is I was able to ride my bicycle on the road by myself. That's the only change that came in my life. It was not, oh Peter, do you would you like to go to church today or do you want to just stay home? Number one, my dad was the pastor. Okay? There wasn't a choice. And it didn't hurt. It didn't, listen, it didn't hurt me anything to come sit under preaching. It did tell me and show me my need of salvation. Was I always happy about being there? No, because my friends might have been out doing something else. But, okay, Pastor, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to let my kids make their decisions from now on. In other, okay, so there's a couple things wrong here. One, you're relinquishing and giving up your parental duties right now. Okay, listen. My job as a parent is to make my kids' life as miserable as I possibly can. Okay, how many children believe that's the number one job of their parent? Parents, all parents, close your eyes. Okay, no, listen. That's not our. That's not our job. But we are supposed to be the leaders in the home. They're not to the point of making all their own decisions right now. That's why they've been given to us for us to be able to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We don't relinquish that duty. Well, pastor, I'm just going to let my kids, and if they just want to stay home on Sunday and watch television, that's up to them. I'm going to be here faithful. Okay, why don't we go talk to some parents who never had their kids in church? And why don't you hear the fruit of their life... And then make your decision. Well, I'd never come and talk to you about that in the first place because then it would be premeditated sin. Why don't we look at the fruit of something before we make the decision to do it? Fruit unto holiness or fruit unto shame. Because the end result is clear according to the Scriptures. Our goal in life ought to be is live as holy as we can before the Lord. God doesn't desire sin to be in our lives. He paid for that sin so that we don't have to live in that. That's why he said you are free from sin. It's no longer my master. It's no longer my boss. I can say no to it and say I'm going to live for God. Because I see some end results that were given to in the scriptures, and I see some end results of some people that have gone on before me that have said, listen, we went down this road, don't do it. Now, we ought to all be smart enough to be able to understand that, right? If the consequences are out there. But here, what's our number one? It never happened to me. I've got a better relationship with my kids than what they had with their kids. So then we just added pride to it, okay? Well, it'll never happen to me. It would never happen to my marriage. I'm strong enough that this won't happen. There is not one person, you read through the entire Bible, you talk with every person, there is not one person I've ever talked to that was stronger than the sin that defeated them. But at the beginning they thought, we can dabble a little bit. We're not going to go too far. We're just a little bit. Now, the consequences of sin. Be sure to check out the price tag before you take it. The consequences of sin. They're in every one of our lives and they'll be there. Say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm just throwing up a warning sign. Just throwing up a warning sign. Don't go down that road. You don't have to. You don't have to. Let's pray together. If there's some things that the Lord's speaking to your heart about, maybe you're just in the tempting side of things right now. You're just thinking about it. Don't go down that road. Man, I'd like to just rebel against my parents and against everything, and I'm done. Don't go down that road. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Well, what do you know? Well, there's some adults that know a whole lot more than what you think they know. That's the number one lesson I've had to learn. You know, there's some people that know some things. Maybe if the Lord would speak to hearts, if you need to spend some time with the Lord, that's fine. I'm just delaying a little bit, give you a little bit of time to pray. Spend some time with Him, if the Lord spoken to your heart. Lord, I don't want to go this way, free from sin. That's a harvest that I don't want to reap. So, Lord, help me not to plant the seeds. Father, we sure do love you. Lord, I'm so thankful. Lord, you lay out the consequences. Lord, you're not hiding anything when it comes to the cost of sin in our lives. But Lord, more than the cost of sin being a deterrent to us, the cost that Jesus paid should deter us. you suffered and bled and died paid the penalty for my sin and lord i pray that each and every one of us lord would acknowledge that in our lives and lord there's some that are sitting here with the the fruit of shame and they would look at others and say don't do it but lord i pray that you would give them victory And realize that it is a new day. And Lord, from henceforth, they'll not serve sin, but they'll serve righteousness. Help each and every one of us to be able to walk forward with victory and confidence. Lord, I'm not afraid of the consequences if I'm not living in sin. So Lord would you help us today Help us to live right before you And we'll thank you for it now Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit To be able to convict us Thank you for giving us the word of God To be able to instruct us And Lord I pray that we'd listen In Jesus name we pray Amen Amen Just some closing thoughts That would have been point four last week And so just some thoughts you know as well as I do you sit back and you look at someone making that decision sometimes you want to walk up and just slap them upside the head question was asked yesterday they said how do you help someone who you've confronted and tried to help with their sin and now they're angry at you it's a hard case hard case Let's just not go down that road. Amen? There's others around. Go ask them. Ask their advice. And if you need someone, hey, pastor, can you... I've got this in my life. It's okay. You can You can ask. You'd be surprised at what pastor knows about your life and maybe some things because people talk to me. That's what a pastor's here for. And I don't always have the exact answer, but I can take them to someone else and say, hey, they've been through this. Can you help him with this? Because maybe I haven't been through it. Now I can put the two together and be able to say, hey, can you help him with this? It will. It will. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Yeah. Amen.